good morning, and welcome to the Interfaith Ministries of West North Dakota's Sunday service, hosted by Pastor Big Bob and Rabbi Krinsky. Donations for the annual ice sculpting competition benefiting local orphans of the Second Impact are still ongoing. And now we go to our morning program already in progress. Brothers and sisters, the hour, the hour is upon us. Hmm, yes. God is in his heaven and all is right with the world. Can you feel it? I'm really feeling it. Can you feel it? The Holy Spirit is with us now. No longer are we sinners in the hands of an angry God. No, 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 no. The angels have come to judge us and we shall be found worthy. 17 shall be their number as foretold in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they, they shall deliver unto the sons of man a third impact. Anywhere can be paradise as long as you have the will to live. Yes, I said anywhere can be paradise as long as you have the will to live. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. What the fuck is that? three of the anime arc welcome back to king of the shill and i think i think we're in for a real real good one today what do you think scott oh i'm i'm there i really yeah. hope you like this one as much as i think you're gonna do i i mean if i had to see all of what you have planned which i still don't know what it's coming at the end of of this whole charade but um I think this is the one that I would probably pick out and be like, I'm definitely going to like this one the most, I think, because it just there are a lot of things I think it has going for it already. But at the same time, much like a lot of other anime that I've tried throughout my life, sometimes it just doesn't work. So I think I think I think I'm in for for an interesting an interesting treat here. When from everything we've ever talked about, every esoteric topic when we were talking about doing this show, this was one of the first things that came to mind of like, this is like made for Chris and <laughs> it's one of my favorite shows. So I, I have lots to say about it too. Yeah, man, I'm psyched. Well, I hope everybody else is psyched. Welcome back to King of the Shill. 
this is a conversational podcast where Scott and I are going to try to shill each other on things that uh, we may or may not have really a huge uh, affinity for. Um, if this is your first time joining us, you're in for part three of the anime arc, which just happens to be on what, Scott? Neon Genesis Evangelion. That's right. And what a mouthful. I've got to be honest. I One of the things that makes me the most excited for this is very, very lately, I'm really, really nostalgic for um, stuff like 90s shit, right? Yeah. Like late 80s, like late, to, late, late 80s to mid 90s, that kind of like motif. Like I just, I just, like, you know, I just, I just bought a unused arcade cabinet sticker for Children of the Atom because yeah. it just, it spoke, it spoke to the 90s child in me. So lately, lately I've got that, I've got that, that nostalgia bone in me. And I think, I think this one is going to pop that a little bit. Would yeah, you say? Yeah, uh, probably. This one actually, I think, was a little ahead of its time. It goes beyond kind of Gen X level depression about the state of the world and moves on to more like millennial and Gen Z level of depression oh, on the state of the world. But yeah, okay. there's uh, it definitely though has that 80s to 90s anime aesthetic. I know that we were both very complimentary of our last topic, uh, Perfect Blue. Yes, this is definitely right, that in that reason. vein of just like every cell bleeding with the yeah. the passion of the artist right so <laughs> yeah you'll get some 90s aesthetic up in here yeah man um i i admittedly don't know anything about this other than robots and yeah. cool shit like yeah. like just i can see some of the visuals and the colors in my head but that's like all i know yeah. about it so I, you have probably seen ava merch just from the circles we run in yeah, you've, you've sure. probably seen like the, the giant purple robot unit zero one You've okay. probably seen that one before. Mm -hmm. You've probably seen pictures of Asuka and Ray, probably most likely not even Shinji, the two main girls, because there's oh, a okay. lot of waifu culture around them because uh, all right. this right is on. one of the most like popular animes ever made. So cool. Um, cool. Yeah, but it, Evangelion is made for you. And I guess to get started, we have to ask the question, what is Neon Genesis Evangelion? I don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> I'm glad because even I I had a clue when I watched Evangelion for the first time. So this show came out in 95. I was like four years old, either three or four or something like that. Right. And the the world was not prepared for it. I'll say it okay. was I mean, it was it was uh, critically acclaimed from moment one and it like it completely transformed the industry around it. But with that said, it was a very mature show and I was still not even aware anime existed at this time. Bear in mind, right? right? Like the Toonami block, I think started when I was like eight or nine or something like that. Right. Maybe even mm -hmm. later. So I had no idea this existed until way after it was known. And I came into it already having seen a lot of the visuals and have, coming into the culture, into the anime culture, people talking about it and basically just giving away the premise of the show from <laughs> yeah. moment one. So right. what is Evangelion? Well, Evangelion is a show about traumatized teenagers in giant robots fighting the angels of God who have come to destroy us 
after a calamity that happened in 20. I think, no, it happened in 2000 and the show is in 2015. A 15 year old at the time of the show calamity called the second impact that wiped out most of the world's population and completely changed the uh, layout of the earth. And we follow primarily one character, Shinji Ikari, but a cast of characters that belong to the organization Nerve that is the last line of defense against these angels and the oncoming apocalypse. And that is probably the most basic explanation I can give of the show. But the pop words, the buzzwords are mental trauma, (laughs) cabalic lore, uh, yes. ancient uh, ancient deities from deep space, uh, the introspection of the human soul. Um, the the show was written by Hideaki Anu, who is going through a massive depression. The show is a reflection of his life and his depression. Like there's there's so much to absorb about Ava. This is just beyond that blithe kind of or that blah explanation of it's about kids and robots fighting angels it's it's a it's a landmark one common theme that seems to be resurging every time we bring up a new topic on uh, 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 like something related to anime motif yeah is we're always fighting angels yeah angels i love it yeah and i fucking i love it i love it because it like um I think it speaks to the to the rebellious kid in me that like always yeah. really liked that like sort of like counterculture occult imagery like it's the whole reason why like I always really took to upside down crosses and like 666 and shit like that it's the pure edge of it yeah of to to, to just say like you know what I mean like I knew this yeah I knew that on the face of it you would love the lore of Evangelion yeah, like they I mean get, that's fucking sick they get so real cool. Judaic with it I'm talking well, like the, all the angels are named after like actual biblical angels named in like oh, the Talmud yeah, and stuff yeah. the opening song has like the Kabbalic tree of life like the the hierarchy of life in the cosmos it's like it's it's so like out there it's it's wild go ahead that's fucking sick and well it's just it's the same thing that speaks to me about doom eternal's story and it's it's subsequent dlc it's just this like well yeah the demons are bad but have you yeah fought the angels yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like it's avon, I, I just i love i love i just love that gimmick yeah avon gillian toes this thematic line between a a, a harsh look and a realistic look a scientific look at the human nature so we'll talk about this probably a little bit in the second episode but ano has said that shinji our main character has a a bit of an oedipus complex which i Mm -hmm. think is true there's a lot of mother imagery in the show and there's this whole narrative of returning to the womb and the eva we'll come back to that so there's like this line of like jungian Freudian psychology that Anno was really into at the time because of his depression and like looking at himself and then juxtaposing that with this blend of like Judeo-Christian esoteric lore and sci-fi like uh, black magic. It's like this weird (laughs) confluence of things. It's just haunting. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Sick. Yeah, no, no, I mean, all that I'm in. I mean, that's 
If yeah. I, if I were to if I were to be at Blockbuster Video and read that on a synopsis of a back of a VHS sleeve, I'd be renting that. Yeah. So, what is Evangelion? Evangelion is everything I've just said. It's a exploration of one man's artistic vision. So Ano was already a notable director at this time. Hideaki Ano. People I do recognize the name. Yeah, at people least. might know him from if they don't know him from anime, they might have seen Shin Godzilla recently, mm, the most mm. recent Japanese Godzilla film. He directed that. Yeah. And he was okay. already a notable director at this point. He had directed another show I watched when I was a kid called Nadia and the Secret of the Blue Water, which Disney ripped off for oh. their Atlantis film. Like it's Oh, really? Yeah, it's like a it's like a dead ringer for the really? basic premise of the show. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's uh it's something. So okay. they they deny it, of course, but uh yeah, it's, I'm it's, gonna have to look into that. I love shit like that. That's yeah. cool. Oh, that's, they're no, they're notorious for that. Even like well, Lion sure, King yeah. stealing from um, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's a very old anime, but the Lion King's basically ripped off of a very old anime about a lion. Oh. So anyway, it's it's a cultural landmark for the industry. So let's let's talk about its legacy a little bit too, right? Because that's right. also so interesting about it. Like, well, yeah, because most of I mean most of my exposure to this franchise has been through merch. Yeah. Like, well, think about something to go back to what you've experienced so far, like DBZ. DBZ as a concept is so far beyond just the show at this point. It's video games. It's uh, toys. It's cosplay. It's all these different things, right? It's a live action yeah. film that was it's terrible. It's its own subculture. Yeah, it's its own subculture. And Ava is very much the same way. When, like, people make a habit of showing it off. I don't want to make it sound like it's super common because again, it's still a niche hobby, even in Japan, right? It's not like everybody in Japan loves anime, but yeah, they lean right. into it to, from the marketing side because it's so popular, right? Like you, sure, you can go right. into a store and find Evangelion themed bleach. Like just, it just, it's bleach, but cross collaboration <laughs> with Evangelion. This one has Asuka on the, the oh. label or whatever, right? Like oh. it's, it's, I mean, I would it's the, it's the equivalent here of good. I would go for that kind of yeah. shit. <laughs> but it's the equivalent here of like Star Wars like when when Oh I, yeah, sure. I remember when The Force Awakens came out, I went into our uh one of our local stores. We have giant eagles here in Pittsburgh. I went yeah. to a giant eagle and there were oranges that had Kylo Ren on them. Like what does Kylo Ren have to do with oranges, <laughs> right? Like it's Well, that's that porcelain sun-kissed skin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He, and he's very sour. It, it's, it's it <laughs> corresponds to his personality. Yeah, you can you can use Adam Driver's nose to peel an orange. <laughs> Adam Driver is a handsome man. You stop. But anyway, <laughs> but it's just, it him. just goes to show you like the influence of Ava specifically on pop culture. There, I mean, like the the waifu culture, which doesn't really fit. You're gonna feel you're gonna feel yeah. weird about seeing waifu culture stuff for this show after we watch it. But uh, like the oh, waifu, okay. <laughs> the waifu culture for the ladies of the show, the the cosplay, the um, the games, the spinoffs. Like there's so much Ava shit because it's so beloved and it's influenced so many other anime. Anime you might have either seen like be referenced or like things that have like entered the pop culture like uh, you might have seen some of this have you ever heard of Gurren Lagan? 
No, I haven't. Okay. So it, that was another kind of mecha deconstruction show that was popular a few years ago. Okay. Uh, I'm th- actually by this time, it might be like 10 years old, but it was like the one of the most popular shows in years at the time. And it's like, where's its Evangelion influences uh, on its sleeve, right? It's yeah, like, right. Th- it's, this is part of the cultural legacy of anime and it's really changed that industry. And we're talking billions of dollars of merchandising here. That's like, this cool. Is, yeah, this is, it's a big fucking deal as far as the industry is concerned. I think what's so in- interesting about that too, though, like from my perspective, at least is that, um, that's going to be a point of reference for me whenever I'm like, because you, you understand the scope of those kind of properties. Right. Yeah. And I think you don't, you don't really have that kind of influence and it, it doesn't really leave a mark on its you know, respective subculture that way, yeah. like a Star Wars or like a, a you know, a Marvel in, in, in today's day and age, unless the scope is of a certain flavor. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be an interesting thing for me to, to, to think about while we're watching this stuff, because um, I think that that alone sort of clues me into, to really kind of the motif. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's doubly interesting for me. Cause I want to talk about this after the fact, like, if I told you, hey, do you want a perfect blue figure, like a figure of um, our our heroine in her idol outfit, right? Mm, like after no. watching the film, you'd be like, that's kind of no. weird, right? And like against yeah. the grain. The given yeah. the themes of the show, the idea that like there's this like billion dollar merchandising industry around it too is like almost like a, a poetic afterthought, right? Uh, okay. It's, it's yeah. like this, it's this dissonance between what the show actually stands for and then it's marketing arm. Right. So, yeah, right, right. So that'll be interesting you, to talk about. So do you think, do you think that that's purely just based on like its style and the way that it looks or is no, it? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's the difference between someone in a room asking, what does it mean to be human? And the man outside hawking tickets. Right. It's okay. It's just capitalism, baby. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is popular. We're going to make merchandise print it. Got it. All right. Right on. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fabulous show without talking too much about it. It's, it's the type of thing that like, as an adult, there's definitely some nostalgia in this. I still think it's very poignant as an adult. You're not going to be seeing things you haven't seen before. You're not going to be asking yourself philosophical questions you've never asked yourself before but especially for teenagers and young adults this is probably one of the first things they see that really challenges them beyond what a typical story asks of them beyond the hero's journey and things like that It, it makes them question core identities about themselves and why people behave the way they do so that's interesting yeah yeah it's a, it's a super cool show. I, we, I, I want to talk more about uh, the show itself, but we'll save that towards the end because there's some other stuff I want to talk about here too. Maybe this is a weird question and maybe I'm trying to search for something that isn't there, but something yeah. that's kind of like tugging on, on, in, on my brain right now is that um, you mentioned um, that 
this is a little bit more ahead of its time and a little bit more thematically steeped into things that might be more relevant to millennials and to, you know, like people of of that era in terms Mm -hmm. of the kind of stuff that, you know, that generation of art is famous for producing. Is there, is part of its popularity because of that? Yeah. Or do you think it's in spite of that? No, it's, I think it's, well, it could, depending on how you look at it, it could be both. I think that, first of all, I still think the show holds up. I don't think mm. that it's something that's aged, but I think that because of where anime was at the time, where a lot of the most popular anime were long running ones, ones that, mm. I, this is probably around the time of DBZ where it was, okay, we're going to take this popular manga that's probably been going on for ages and just keep pumping out TV shows, right? Yeah. Like Dragon Ball Z, just serial, just episode, 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 like going on and on and on. One Piece, the same. Yeah. And this comes out. One Piece, I think, has just started the manga at this point. This is how oh, far. really? This is how far back this is. Yeah. Oh, never so, mind. And maybe it might have been a few years earlier, but either way. And then uh, Ano and the team at Gainax come along and they have this tight 26 episode show that's just we're getting in and we're getting out and we're telling this story and we're pushing our animation budgets to the limit and we're trying to tell a more highbrow story than what you would get on quote unquote prime time. Right. And this really caught people off guard because not only was the content so different and hyper violent, like this show is in a lot of ways, a deconstruction of giant mecha anime where you would usually have the bright eyed teenage boy. That's so excited. The pilot, the robot, and you get wacky hijinks and like the, the hero kind of shit. Yeah. And the the hero always wins and that kind of stuff. And Shinji Ikari is none of these things. Right. Uh So first of all, they have that. And then it's the, Okay, well, you don't have the Dragon Ball Z style thing where nothing happened this episode. They just kind of talked a bit and Goku has been charging his Kamehameha for three hours. Right. Like you (laughs) don't have those kinds of moments. So it catches people off guard. And I think it being so ahead of its time. Like like I said, it did influence the industry after it. I think it really woke people up to it's it's one of those moments. It's almost the creation of a genre. Right. Of while I never thought about this whole medium in this way and for the consumers it changed what they wanted and for the producers it changed the standard they had to be held to so that's definitely a part of it and that's a good segue because before we talk about what i'm showing to you and talking about the show i want to talk a little bit about anime itself and the industry because we're moving away from the movie which is just kind of this tight contained thing right we're talking more about a tv show and part of consuming anime that you should keep in mind when we're watching this and when you're watching anything. So something I don't really think about when I'm watching like a show on HBO, like, so for example, Chernobyl, right? I don't really think of those shows in terms of their budget or game of Thrones, right? I don't really look at those shows at any point and think to myself, wow, that, that, that must have cost a lot of money or wow, they're running out of money now, right? Right. Partly, I think that's because those shows do have such a wide budget range, right? Like they, they, they're, they're 
all they're not really at risk most of the time of not having the money to do what they need to do. Right. But I think it's also just that there is a inherent quality to live action stuff that your brain doesn't consider like it, it, it on a more human level is relating to what it's seeing and it's not thinking about it as necessarily labor. Right. It's kind of a little bit similar to what we were talking about. Perfect blue and the landscape shots of like the less is more aspect, not necessarily being indicative of a higher quality, but being just sort of representing like the way that your brain sort of fills in the gaps of what it understands to be not, you know, yeah, not a, a direct iteration of it. Yeah. Like people will refer to this idea a lot. I think this is another stolen word, sakuga, which I think is literally the word for like frame, like frame of animation. And mm-hmm. people will like call out these moments where it's like they real this is where the budget for the show went to. Like oh, the animation yeah. is smoother. The images are more consistent and higher quality. There's more use of color, right? It's more ambitious in what it is trying to animate. You have these moments and something that now we're transitioning into TV. You have to realize is that animation, especially hand-drawn animation is fucking expensive. Yeah. It's really hard to plan out a budget for one of these shows. And a lot of the time you will notice the budget and time constraints on screen. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right. one piece is very infamous for this. There's a thousand episodes of that TV show, but like the people notice all the time and they post like funny meme pictures of like people that aren't necessarily in the foreground are like drawn like aliens, right? Where oh. they like, they don't match the design of the show at all. And like, yeah. they're, it's just like very, you can tell that they did not have time or money. So they just drew it in real fucking quick and moved on. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you know, like older animation kind of patched over that by just, you know, repeating the same landscapes over and over again and using the same frames over and over like in Scooby Doo. Yeah. Like the, the, they always use the same frames of them walking whenever they're transitioning from place to place. Right. Yeah. And you're going to notice that in Avon Gillian, you're going to notice that, Gynax was running out of time. They were behind schedule. They had used most of their money. They were outsourcing a lot of the animation to other companies. There were, I think they, the, the rumor is there were only like even three people left at Gynax that were actually working on the show by the end. It was mostly outsourced, but what's different here. And it's something we'll have to talk about is keep in mind while you're watching it, that there's going to be those moments of like cost, 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 cost cutting and budget saving but they this is another reason i think the show gets so much praise is it's done in this very artistic way you can tell it was done very intentionally so as to appear as it literally is but to appear as an artistic choice more than just we need to pad it for time the final moments of episode 24 something we'll be watching in our watch party is a great example of this that there is an uncomfortable pause it goes on for arguably way too long but because of the context it completely changes what happened on screen it's literally just a pause but if it had gone from like just snap if it just happened it would have been a completely different scene than what it was with this like incredibly 
pregnant pause, right? right You'll notice right, right. it too. You you won't have to, even if you don't remember this specific conversation, this yeah. is going to be a moment that sticks out to you, right? Okay. And that yeah, this yeah, is yeah. part of the fun of rewatching this show of like finding those moments where it's okay, they clearly like had to just get something done, but it's really clever how they decided to use this in this way. Yeah, right. And nothing more exemplifies that than the final two episodes. We'll talk about them in a bit, but they were very controversial at the time because by this point they had basically run out of time and budget and they, instead of giving a true ending, really, they gave us a very introspective look with a lot of repeating images and half drawn frames reflecting the inner psyche of our main character. And they're very cool episodes, but they're like wildly different. Is it, is it something similar to uh, like, you know, one of my favorite shows ever is The Sopranos, but I did not watch it as it aired. I watched it as an adult later on in my life. Um, but I understood that like some of the more art house episodes of that television show were not received very well, but they are yeah. now. Yeah. Is it something like that? It is and it isn't. I think that it was still very positively received at the time, but there were definitely a lot of people that were upset and I can understand it. The benefit now, we'll talk about the show's structure in a minute too. The benefit now is that we have more Ava content to supplement it. I think that if this was the only ending we ever got, it still would leave a bitter taste in people's mouths. But yeah. So to talk about the show's structure really quickly, Ava is originally a 26 episode animated series. A few years later, they had released a movie called Evangelion Death and Rebirth which started as it was two episodes. Basically, it was a recap episode and the beginning of a supplementary ending that would go on to become truly the the full Evangelion set, not counting the new remake movies. The full Evangelion set is the 26 episode series and a film called The End of Evangelion, which is broken into two episodes, 25 and 26 that are flip sides of the original episode 25 and 26 showing us what was happening in the real world at the Uh, same time as the introspection of 25 and 26. And I think people now, like I know there's some of the highest rated anime episodes of all time, like not just those two, the ones that are showing like what's happening in the real world. No, the ones that are showing what's happening in his mind. Oh, really? Some of them. Oh, that's cool. They're now some of the most highest rated anime episodes of all time. Well, I what's think, interesting is ahead. like you th- you think about that, like I said, you know, like my comparison there is the Sopranos and like you would immediately think that like maybe because of that, they are, yeah. you know, not quite as highly regarded. I think that's I think that's just like your natural assumption whenever you hear that. Right. Maybe yeah. that's because I'm used to Western content. And that's typically how it, I just them's the shakes in Western content, yeah. maybe. But. Uh, I think that's cool. I think that's interesting. It, it definitely it definitely gives me a lot of like pre-baked excitement going into yeah. those to understand that like they're so res- respected. You yeah, know? I think it's because I, I think it's multifaceted. I think people respect how avant-garde it is because anime at the time and even still now. I mean, we talk about this all the time when I complain about shit to you. Like anime is not a of a medium that tends to really 
reward creativity like the isekai genre i talked to you about that's just like everything is someone gets hit by a truck and sent to another world and they're overpowered <laughs> now right it's yeah right like right everything is that i think people respected how avant-garde it was i think that they complimented the the episodes they complimented the show's themes to that point that were focused on psychology and shinji's mental state and all these types of things right and it provided yeah. an emotional catharsis and then i think to to mitigate the cons because it would have been left as an eternal mystery as to what really happened we do have the end of evangelium which shows us what happened in the real world and has some of the most over-the-top visuals in the series which gives it this really climactic ending so people still get their catharsis of knowing what actually happened in the quote-unquote third impact right so yeah right yeah so it's cool. it's this really cool and this the whole show like if i really want to get artsy fartsy about it the whole <laughs> show is this like this beautiful amalgamation of like uh it's it's a confluence of bad things it's hideaki Anno's depression it's running out of time and money it's the um like the all the the stresses that the people at the uh the animation studio had to go through it's all the, it's this confluence of negativity that creates this just beautifully depressing art of like the human experience through this show about giant robots killing monsters from outer space basically yeah and i think too like there's something that is that really sticking out to me about that that like and I granted, I mean, this is before I, I've seen a single, single second yeah. of any episode, but just in general, like that sort of concept, right, really sort of sp screams that it is a product of its creator, right, yes. in a way that I don't really think that content like that, when you see it come out now, mm -hmm. I don't really think your immediate thought is this is like somebody's thing. It's yeah. more like a, you know, a, a, like an executive committee is right. making this somewhere, the, right? This, this is actually what started the trend in anime of directorially focused work. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. when you have like uh, your cowboy bebops and your mm -hmm. samurai chomploos, right? Bebop yeah. less so, but uh, chomp, samurai chomploo especially this helped pave the way for that okay you're a known factor and an artist as a director this is your rodeo right gotcha, people are right, gonna right. come to see your stuff and that continues today like there's um uh like uh shinkai is uh makoto i think it's makoto shinkai he does um really popular animated uh light novels and movies now so he's a writer um so there's um, your name and like you, you might have seen these titles on like Netflix, but like your name uh, weathering with you, I think is one of his. I've seen them. I should know more about Shinkai, but it still continues today. Cur current content being made of I'm going to go see the Makoto Shinkai movie. Right. Do you think that, um, I, you know, I think that one of the one of the interesting things about that is that. A personal a personal opinion that I hold is that I think that uh, certain things just have a natural order about them. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is especially true within art forms. 
and motifs like this, and specifically this idea of directorially focused content in anime. One thing that I really connect the dots on a lot is that I think there are a lot of aesthetic similarities between a lot of stuff that's like this within uh, anime and Japanese film and yes. art culture and the Western, more independent films and filmmakers like the Tarantinos of the world and the Rodriguez's yes. because they've got these very like, um, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example, but I can't really pull one to mind. But like it, to me, it is the reason that you can have these two styles exist in perfect harmony in something like Kill Bill. Absolutely. Right? It's it, this is it's in the same way, especially with this show and with Anno. It's not true of all directors, but like to give you another example, even though he's a terrible person, David Fincher. Right. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, when you're watching a David Fincher movie. Yeah. Right? His right. movies mm -hmm. all have the same blood. Same right. with Anno. So you've seen Shin Godzilla, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a, a lengthy focus on bureaucracy in yeah. that movie as a counterpoint to the destruction of Godzilla. Right. You will notice that immediately in Evangelion, where people Sweet. are arguing bureaucracy while this angel is coming to end the world. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is. It's good. It's man. part of his vision of like his critique of Japanese society and of human nature in general of like our inability to escape our personal conflict, even in yeah. the face of certain annihilation, right? Like that's a Hano thing that's in everything he does. Yeah. And I think too, there's like, there's a certain attitude that sort of uh, goes hand in hand with, with, with that kind of, of, of vision and that kind of scope, right. Yeah. That um, is almost. Um, and again, like without having seen it, just, just, you know, theorizing here and trying to think of, what I'm about to experience, but it sounds like it's very, um, like unashamed. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we talk, I'm going to give you a, a short summary of what we're going to watch in a minute here. And you'll like immediately, I think grasp what the show is going for, but yeah, yeah. To talk about other intentionality, right? Right. Something else that you're going to have to get used to is you're now consuming content from a foreign nation, Right. They are not speaking English. Yeah. So right. in order to consume the content, if you do not speak Japanese, you have two questions to ask yourself. The first is subs or dubs, subtitles or dubbed audio. And this is a almost a meme conversation between anime yeah. fans, right? There are people sure, that are diehard right. sub consumers like me. There are people that are diehard dub consumers. Personally, I can't handle the inherent dissonance and cringe of listening to people <laughs> speak what is essentially a Japanese script in English. Right. Yeah. And I prefer hearing it of, in the original native language. So this is something that we'll probably talk about at the end. But this is a question that I bring up because of the second question. We are going to be watching subbed. Yes. Translation versus transliteration. So which this isn't this is something new to me. Yeah. Um, I, I know that you had mentioned that this was something that we were going to be talking about today before we started rolling. And um, this one, I don't ever think I've I've ever really thought of. Yeah. So I, I, this is interesting to me. So translation of Japanese media, especially anime, is. It's almost a subculture onto itself, man, like you can. So assuming that something, first of all, gets 
officially translated, right? That means that it's licensed by a company like Funimation or Crunchyroll or something. You can go and watch it there and watch it with professionally made subtitles, Netflix too. And you would think to yourself, great, this means it was made by a professional. I can just expect the highest quality stuff. That's not necessarily true. So Japanese is not even remotely structurally the same as English. And from a, uh, I don't want to call it vocabulary. I don't want to pretend like I'm a Japanese expert either. There is a lot of nuance in the Japanese language that has to be implied from context because the same phrases are used in many different situations. And yeah, I mean, this th- that in general is one of the things that you'll hear a lot about in terms of critiques of the English language is yeah. that, you know, there's so many like f- sayings and phrases and words and the things that like we don't have things that mean the same thing. Kind of. We have things that sound the same and are spelled different. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to I'm going to give you a slight spoiler because this is very important for this conversation and we'll talk about it in the context after you watched it. But so like you have this culture where there are also fan subgroups that basically battle each other, like people that do it ostensibly for free. They get like some donations, but unofficial translations of content that get distributed. This is how most anime gets watched is with people watching fan subs. Right. Unless it it gets uh, officially translated. So you have this problem of should the thing be translated literally, which I still don't, I don't think that's right either, but also you get the concern of the ego of the translator entering into the work. This is something we see in video games too. Like with the, the Treehouse team, the Nintendo Treehouse team, they translated a fire emblem game, fire emblem faints fates. And yeah. there are two ninja characters in in fire emblem. There's, support conversations characters have they have an affinity number that goes up and you get a little lore and relationship background of the two characters okay treehouse removed an entire conversation between the two that was in the game and replaced the entire conversation with just dot dot dots because the two characters are ninjas and it's funny if ninjas don't talk so that entire conversation is just not in the game in english right it's a, it's a it's a it's a real conversation between the characters. They're talking about something and they just took it out of the game because it's funny that's, that ninjas are silent. That's right? weird that they would be given that license. Yeah, well, they it's they licensed literally the game so they can do whatever they want. And yeah, this finds its way so, into yeah. anime, too. So you get problems with like Crunchyroll and Funimation and Netflix basically changing the script. Right. With their translation. And right. One of the most egregious examples of this, we'll be watching this episode, episode 24, the final episode before the weird psychological ending with without some context. Basically, at this point, our main character Shinji is on the ropes. He's utterly defeated. He doesn't understand even really who he is anymore. He feels he's unworthy of being loved. And a certain character, a boy named Kaoru, shows up. And Shinji clings onto him in this moment of weakness because he doesn't have anyone else that he believes he can trust. And Kaoru, very interestingly, is like very kind to Shinji. He's this brand new character, very little details given about him. And they're having a bath and at, at nerve, they're unwinding. And Kaoru says to him, bear in mind, he's only been in the show for about 15, 14 minutes. 
he says to Shinji, I love you. And so this is a loaded phrase, right? This is, he probably literally does love Shinji, but also in the, I love all of humanity sense, because you get the impression that Kaoru is weird. And Shinji's like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. And Kaoru's like, okay, so should we go together? It's this, it's, it sounds like weird out of this context, but this is like the first time it may be in the show that Shinji has felt that he is loved and wanted. Right. Uh, uh-huh, right. And you go and you watch the Netflix series. So Evangelion is officially on Netflix. Right. Right. And they're in the bath and Kaoru looks at Shinji and he says, I like you. That's not as loaded a phrase as I love, I you. love you. Yeah. Well, in Japanese, the line could be translated either way. But the nuance of the situation is that Kaoru is giving Shinji this love that he so dearly desires, right? This is part of the suffering of watching anime, especially officially translated anime. It completely changes the context of the conversation. And you're left wondering, like, is it just because they didn't want to have like a gay panic thing? Yeah, like, right. It seems kind of intentionally that it's that way. He, like Shinji is confused, not only because he's never received love before, but he's never considered like a, basically a gay relationship. Right. But like he, right. this is it. The whole context of it speaks to where the show is at. And it's just like, OK, we're going to stick a pin in that and move on. Right. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. Right. Like it because because like you said, like, you know, originally it seems like it's obviously so intentional and you know so heavy because of the context and then to that's a big that's like a really big switch right it's not it's not it's not as like it's not tantamount to like you know substituting fuck for frick or something like that right yeah and it's it's one of those things where like who knows maybe it was never intended to be love but the way that the stuff is actually translated completely changes how we end up consuming it. Right. Well, and then, and then you, you sort of start walking down the road of, you know, an interesting conversation around like the natural evolution of a thing. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And like when, when art sort of terraforms to what its acceptance is versus what its intent was. Right. And like, I think that's that's really interesting to me because from the way that you're talking about it, it sounds like, you know, the love translation in that instance is really sort of like the accepted one because it's so like, you know, character characterly important. Yeah, it's in my argument. I don't think it makes sense if he's not saying love. And yeah, we'll, we'll, sure. we'll talk about this after because this is yeah. one of the primary points of the show I want to talk about after. But like it, right. it's just an interesting thing that you might not be prepared for if you've never consumed something from a culture even similar to this. Right. Where it's like, right. I have to worry about what the intent of the thing was versus the subtitles. And this is actually part of the reason that I watch it subbed because I do speak a considerable amount of Japanese. And I'm a, I am able to compare what is in the subtitle versus what I heard and determine intentionality. Right. Right. I can right. hear things. I've, I think we've even like played some games before that were in Japanese. And I've said to you, that's not what he said. 
Yeah. Right. right like right, yeah. it's, it's that I'm, I'm lucky in that way where I can kind of do both at the same time, but grand blue specifically because yeah. grand blue has subtitles. Yeah. I, I, I have, I distinctly remember being like, that's not what he said. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just an interesting little sub point to this that I think is worth talking about after the fact too. Well, especially because like, we're not talking about something like Dragon Ball Z, you know, where we're dealing with, you know, the point of the show is just to key up as as more as most powerfully as possible. Whereas like this is a little bit more introspective, you know, those those yeah. themes and those sort of um, uh, points carry a lot more weight in that type of content. Yeah. So. I should probably start talking about the shill yeah i'm, I'm curious because because like you know we kind of have walked down with television shows like this idea of an arc centered around something specific that's like sort of self-contained within the show but i think this is maybe a little bit more of a checklist yeah it is so uh, <sighs> this is going to sound really reductive but this is a show that i don't think you can just watch bits and pieces of mm -hmm. i think you have to watch the whole thing to understand the show in its totality i mean that's that's about as obvious a statement as i can get but like something like not to not to disparage it i like the show something like miss Maisel, right yeah right if you get the right collection of episodes you can kind of get the gist of the show yeah. Right. For sure. Right. Plot developments may escape you, but like there's the the beats are are, yeah. are obvious. Yeah. Right. There is such a tonal shift over the course of this show, constantly building on all of the context that comes before it, that I hesitated to even make a collapsed shill. But I figured that the show will stand on its own enough that it doesn't matter if you see some stuff early. And yeah. I came to that conclusion, too, because I had seen I had seen more than I was even going to show you. And I still went back and watched the show and loved it. Right. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. But this is definitely more of a a checklist. I want to show you different parts of the show to jazz you up to go and watch the thing in its entirety. So, yeah, well, I think, I think that is, you know, uh, to go back to what you said about Maisel, one of the things that I kept saying was, I think when a show is written the way that that is and has as tight of a cast of characters as it does, you can afford to skip around yeah. without really losing that. But this, this seems more of a, you know, like like a an evolution of that like that on a much larger scope yeah like to be so spoiler alert i'm on i'm in the middle of season two on basil i've been uh. primarily watching some other stuff so i haven't like binged it right but yeah, like yeah. I, i've made some decent progress and the show is definitely not the same as it was when i first started even by that point right? yeah, yeah yeah sure but right largely it is still a comedy show with situations that like a situation is introduced and it's defeated and we move past it right yeah right exactly i knew enough about moish and about uh these characters that i had not seen a lot of to understand where they were in the parts of the shill i saw that 
like going back and seeing the context was awesome, but it didn't like fundamentally change my understanding of the character. There's going to be parts of this shill that are going to be really confusing for you, I think. Yeah. But still cool. Sure. Right. Well, I mean, the cool factor is always going to be the selling point anyway, right? Yeah. It's just we're trying to contextualize some of the more, um, yeah, deeper themes. Yeah. I basically I I can't make you watch 14 hours of this thing for a show. So, yeah, which I think right. which I it's probably less than that, but still like a sizable amount of content for a single show. Right. Yeah. So, right. Sure. I created a breakdown. So, again, 26 episode series. I completely excluded the end of Evangelion because it is such an incredible satisfying conclusion that i wanted you like that should only be experienced if you like the show and you've seen everything else up to that point all right right? okay first of all it's like visually incredible but i don't i didn't want to spoil you on any of that but like it for it this wouldn't be as entertaining if you didn't have all the context coming in right right Yeah, yeah yeah right the shill is a series of pairs of episodes so we have episodes one and two, the English and Japanese titles are different, so I'm just going to use the English titles. Angel, Attack, and The Beast. And this serves as our introduction to Ava. We have kind of a more everyday life, lighthearted theme I'm going for with episodes three and nine. A transfer, and both of you dance like you want to win. This is to show, like... So again, the show is kind of a deconstruction of mecha anime. Yeah. This is so we can see some of that and talk about these episodes put up against the backdrop of the conclusion of the show and how dark it has become. Right. Right. Mm. Episodes 12 and 16. This is focusing on Shinji, the main character and his mental state. This episode 12 is she said don't make others suffer for your personal hatred. And episode 16 is splitting of the breast. And then we have episode 19 and 24, which I'm calling the third impact and the point of no return. This is to okay. give you an insight into the cosmology of the series, because this show gets really fucking weird up to a certain point. All so, right. Uh, we're going to learn more about what the Avas are and what the third impact really is. And then we're going to watch just a part of the final episode of the series. Oh, I don't think I named those episodes. Sorry, my bad. Episode 19 is introjection. And episode 24 is the beginning and the end or knocking on heaven's door. (laughs) Yeah. And then finally, the last episode, we're going to watch just a part of it. There's a, there's a interesting little like i think like a joke almost okay. and then the, the very conclusion of the series i, I just called that the actual the actual the third impact so okay basically we're watching eight episodes under it's be under four hours of content or something and then part of episode 26 it should be like 20 minute episodes so yeah right yeah. right 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 but yeah the um i think one of the fun parts about stuff like this um, yeah. that deals in some of these more um like as you say esoteric themes um is that 
like the second impact and the third impact, like I'm already getting this sense of one of the fun, th- like one of the funner, th- more fun things about this kind of stuff is when it's a, a higher concept that like the characters that you are more re- are supposed to relate with. Yeah. Are as clueless about what's happening. Oh, as absolutely. You are, yeah. Right. So the, you don't know what the third impact supposed to be for a long time. You don't know what the second impact is for the first time. They right. never, I don't think they ever mention with what the first impact is, which is the creation of our moon. Yeah. So like, this is like this, this is the level of cosmic totality right. we're talking about. Like the first impact was the moon. The second impact happened 15 years ago and we are fucked. I, I think why that's so like such a good hook for content and, you know, in general, but especially for me, is that I think it speaks to that um, sort of morbid, um, uh, like that the 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 morbid piece that you feel when you understand just how fucking insignificant you are. Oh yeah, right. And that's that's actually depersonalization it, is a really big part of this show. Like, yeah, it, it's, I, I mean, it's the same reason that I love Cthulhu shit, yeah. right? Because it it makes me feel uh not alone in my existential yeah. <laughs> anxiety right? part of what's so great about it and i'll start talking about what it is we're actually watching so part of what's so great about it is you as the viewer and some of the characters on the show to be fair are dealing with this existential terror of like what are the angels why yeah. are they still coming what was the second impact all this kind of, really like all this kind of stuff right but at the yeah. same time the driving forces of the show are all the things that make them human it's yeah. shinji's like when i was younger i thought shinji was a coward now i just think that he's a pitiable child that's directionless in the worst possible situation right like it's asuka's arrogance in her total incapacity to fail like she she literally has a mental breakdown later on in the show because she feels that she's she's inferior. There's right. all these different like the Gendo Shinji's father. We'll talk about him in a minute, too. And like his the the fact that he's like committed so many sins for basically this selfish personal dream, all these little things that make them really human against this backdrop of the literal armageddon consequences of the angels right is like what makes it so compelling so what are we gonna watch let me tell you about this a little bit so we follow shinji ikari ikari shinji who is just arrived in tokyo 3 he has been living separately from his father who has summoned him to tokyo 3 for reasons unknown and we find out that tokyo 3 is in the midst of an attack from an angel, this gigantic kaiju-esque creature that like conventional weapons just cannot harm, right? We, we're introduced to the idea of an AT field. It cannot be harmed by conventional weapons. So one of our other leads, Misato, I think it's Katsuragi, uh, she shows up in her, like basically her, like at this point in the show, for them, it'd be like a classic car. It looks like a... Um, uh, help me the Ford uh, not Ford the Dodge it looks like a Charger basically oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. so she shows yeah. up in this muscle car the diesel car <laughs> picks him up in the middle of this attack and drives him to nerve headquarters where Shinji is confronted by his father Gendo who's abandoned him for years and Gendo shows him the Avangelion and says 
we called you here to pilot the Evangelion. This is the this is the meme that get in the fucking robot, Shinji. He never says this, but this is like, yeah. this is Gendo and most of the audience being like, just get in the fucking robot. And Shinji has having a crisis. He's he hates his father, but he craves his approval and he doesn't want to get in the robot because obviously he's just a kid. He's never piloted one. He doesn't want to die. All these this burden crashing upon him. So he gets in the Evangelion and he gets his ass fucking beat by the angel. He's connected to this machine. We learn in the first episode there's more than the Avas that meets the eye. He feels the pain of the machine getting crushed and its arm broken by the angel. And oh, he, he's shit. like having a breakdown. And the Ava at the last moment goes berserk. It's not under Shinji's control anymore. And it savagely brutalizes the angel. And we see beneath the mask of the Evangelion. This is the intro to the series. This is it's basically the the premise writ large, right? Like the the human crisis behind this giant robot. And then with the bigger mysteries behind what is the Evangelion? It's clearly not just a robot, right? So we move on from there to episode two. We're going to end up watching the first three episodes in a row. But in episode two, we learn more about Nerve. We learn more about Misato, his now caretaker who's taken him in because he's like basically just all on his own. Yeah. And Shinji starts to project like um, uh, he starts to think of her as his mother. And he learns more about the other current Ava pilot. Ray Ayanami, one of the most popular anime girls of all time. Oh, who's okay. Lifeless. He's seen her. She's been clearly grievously injured before he showed yeah. up to Nerve. And she's like very emotionless and bizarre, right? So we learn more about those people. He has his like war flashbacks to fighting the angel. And then the next episode, Shinji goes to school. So you have this immediate like tonal like, shift of yeah, like, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, you fought the angel and saved humanity. Now go to school. Yeah. And this is obviously some whiplash for him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the kids at school, his little sister was injured in the fight with the angel. Oh, and no. he takes it out on Shinji when he finds out Shinji is the new pilot of the Evangelion. So he has this moment of why am I even fighting? Can you like you can I can tell you can start to see like where this show is going. Like if if this yeah. is how I'm going to be treated, why even prevent Armageddon? Yeah, right. Right. Hell yeah. And I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, your sister was injured. Yeah. Just injured. Just to make sure that we're talking about she was just injured. Yeah. And you're mad at me. Yeah. I beat an angel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And you have this, like, you'll you'll start to see. Can what, you even spell angel, bro? Or yeah, do you spell it angle? <laughs> you'll start to see the type of person Shinji is. Yeah. Like, this is the primary theme of the show. It's just like he's 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 basically given up on life and human contact. Right. Yeah. He Well, he, I mean, I, I I like that, though, because like it, it um it's similar to the themes that you get within Cthulhu shit of. Yeah. Um, like, I really like in a lot of that content how there's this theme of the more you learn the more detached from reality you become yeah. mm -hmm. so it is this monkey's paw of you are getting answers to the questions that nobody has been ever been able yeah. to answer before and it only makes you want to die yes 
it's there is a lot of that in this yeah <laughs> I, I mean i love that shit yeah the the third the third impact itself we'll talk about what it actually is um yeah. i think they actually they they explain what it is but you just don't see it we'll talk about what the third impact is it's one of my favorite armageddon scenarios ever uh actually. cool yeah yeah it's I, a, it's, it's, it, in a sense it's hard to argue with it actually <laughs> yes okay yeah all right I, i'm excited i'm excited to hear about yeah. that well it it's it's too it's this thing of for me um what what i'm really getting out of a lot of this so far is that uh one of the things that that we touched on in the yakuza episode was um hype by any means necessary hype right. just for the sake of being hype and this is to me is like okay so what if we could reach that level of hype and also provide meaning to it? Yeah, it's 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 hype. It, it is exactly what you just described, like this meaningful hype. And then just it volleyball spikes you back down into depression. Yeah, right. Right. Because there, there I, is real consequence and trauma for everything that happens on the show. Right. Yeah. Like it's not like the the bright eyed boy gets in the robot in the next episode and does the same thing. The boy has to decompress for several episodes and be very depressed and concerned about his own existence and wondering why he's here and all these types of things. Right. Oh, oh it, yeah. I mean, it's existentially compelling. Right. Yeah. It's it's that it, it's the same thing as again, like it's it's the same reason that Cthulhu is Cthulhu shit is compelling, too. It's right for sort of those, you know, same reasons. But I think you know it's it's even like doubly kind of like for me at least because you know we're talking about this being themed around giant robots fighting angels which is yeah. a little bit different than like 1930s gumshoe finds an old book right? yes like right but there, no there's definitely components to it because the show will eventually start to answer the questions of what are the angels what are humans yeah what right. was the second and first impact like why yeah. is all of this happening and there, there's some basically cthulhu level shit in there so yeah, it's awesome cool yeah it's really cool so moving on from that we're gonna skip a little bit of time episode nine we are now introduced to the third evangelion pilot oscar langley soryu i think she's half japanese half german doesn't really matter she is the sundara girl of the series sundara is a uh, sundere is a trope in Japanese uh, anime okay. and stuff of the girl that pretends to be mean but really secretly likes you. Ah, this is, yes. This okay. is a deconstruction of that. So okay. <laughs> Asuka is kind of just a bitch, but <laughs> she has this uh, passionate relationship with Shinji where it's like it's like a will they won't they thing but it's more that they're like emotionally dependent on each other for much of the series they're it's right like a, it's like a like sort of like a reverse cat and mouse kind of yeah it's they're they're rivals but also uh shinji is in a, a very vulnerable time with his puberty and he has new emotions and ways of thinking he's never thought about before and he's living in close proximity with asuka so there's this yeah. whole like very like i said very freudian kind of sure, element right. to the show and this episode episode nine is just i just think it's really a nice little tight package showing there's an angel that splits into two that requires asuka and shinji to be in perfect sync 
And it's just this little, I, I call it lighthearted. It's this kind of lighthearted episode of them learning to work together and take down the angel. And it's a really cool little fight scene in the way it's choreographed yeah. and the way the music works. So I just thought it was a nice little touching point to be like, hey, at the beginning of the show, you know, it's not like 9,000% depressing constantly. Sure. Right. And yeah. this is actually like getting to like the characters in these parts is what makes the second half of the show so difficult. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I that's that's part of the, the fun of being on the roller coaster of this type of content. You know yeah. what I mean? I think I think it, it speaks to that, too. And I also like just want to call out an early appreciation for and I know this is episodic, so this is a little bit more common in stuff that you have liberty with but i always appreciate when something goes the length to contextualize an important theme between yeah. characters and this whole idea of them being juxtaposed and needing to work learn how to work together um i think for this type of content like where it's, it's very like sort of sci-fi and hype and battle and that kind of stuff it's very easy to fall into the um you know, the laziness of just letting things happen just because they need to happen. Right. Right. Well, it's it's also important context. Like you said, it, it the it contextualizes them. It's important context to fall back on when we the characters are basically laid bare by the time of the third impact and we see all of their flaws. Right. And we can call yeah. back to these types of moments and see who they were pretending to be basically. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 right. So it's it's very, very cool. But yeah, we'll watch Asuka and Shinji beat up that angel and then we'll go to episode 12. So 12 and 16, I put together because I wanted to show a little bit about where Shinji is at at this point. So in episode 12, suffice to say, there's an angel attack that goes very well. And Gendo Ikari, you will, you will understand this man to be the least likable person on earth. Yeah. finally says good job son oh nice and yeah. this this really fucks with shinji cool right he was yeah. very comfortable hating his father until this point yeah and mm -hmm. now he's concerned that his real reason for being is that he seeks his father's approval and he doesn't understand how to deal with it right so we have this and then in episode 16 which first of all i think the angel in this episode is really cool but there's this awesome introspective moment an angel appears and Shinji essentially gets sucked into it. And in this space, this this place beyond existence, he's forced to contend with his inner being. He starts to question things that come about in the final the finality of the third impact. <laughs> OK, Nero. It. Yeah. Nero so, from the game Devil May Cry. Yeah. For. <laughs> so he 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 literally like is in this space all by himself and he's forced to confront himself and this comes back into play at the end of the series in the third impact. So yeah. this is this is him coming to terms with his problems and who he is. And at this point, rejecting it largely. Yeah. So he knows what's wrong with himself and he just can't accept it. Right. Right. Mm. Then we move on to basically our climax, which it's a pair and then like part of an episode. But the third impact and the point of no return. So in episode 19, we're, we're coming off of something that you will not have seen the last episode was an extremely traumatic moment for Shinji. I considered having this instead of episode 16, but I don't think it's as important. Basically okay. the fourth Ava pilot who I'm going to keep secret till we get there was just grievously injured. 
Okay. Terribly, terribly injured. Right. This, this is basically, well, it's not the final straw. This is next to the final straw for Shinji. He quits nerve again. So he's quit nerve like three times now. Right. Yeah. This is, this is part of why people think he's an annoying character. It's his yeah, wishy-washiness. Gotcha. Cause he's kind of petulant. Yeah. Yeah. But so he quits nerve, but an angel attacks and it defeats everything up until the final bastion. This is the thing that angels can never be allowed to reach. And Shinji comes back and he gets explained to him by a character why they're fighting the angels, why they can't be allowed to reach this part. And he gets in the uh, Ava and he fights the angel and he runs out of battery. And once again, he calls on the Ava, please work. This is all for nothing if you don't work right now. And we finally learn what the Avas are, at least not in this episode. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep what they really are a secret. Yeah, but this is the this you, is you the get, moment you, you get the like the 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 next yeah. layer of the onion. This is I am not piloting a robot. This is uh, what sick. this is what this moment is. Right? Yeah. And I think, you know, um, I mean, obviously it, it that sounds a little bit spoilery, but I think stuff like that is a little bit obvious. Like some, you know what I yeah. mean? Like you kind of, you know, by the f- first episode you know that it's not just well, yeah, a you robot. were saying like yeah. right in the first episode it, like it, it takes control and it's yeah, just like oh all yeah. right you know you don't know what it is but you know it's not just a it's not a gundam right well yeah right it's not a gundam it's it's a little bit more like astral chain if you yeah, know what astral basically chain is, right yeah. yeah well I, i've told you i think i told you this when we were playing it astral chain is literally just Evangelion. They were uh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> they were like, let's just make an Evangelion game. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we have this, and then we're gonna jump forward because I don't want to spoil everything. Jumping forward, the last comment. So this is Kaoru. At this point, Shinji is utterly defeated. He's given up. He doesn't understand why he's fighting or what it's for, and. Uh, uh, organization sends a replacement pilot for Asuka. At this point, Asuka is catatonic. She can't pilot anymore. And they send Kaoru. And Kaoru forges this tight bond with Shinji. And it all goes terribly, terribly uh, wrong. Yeah, and the fun. final moments of this episode are like, part. it's probably my favorite moment of Evangelion. Well, cool. we'll, we'll this is probably going to be my focal point. I'm interested to see what your favorite is, but... This is probably my favorite moment in the entire series. And it's it's so heart rendingly sad and it just doesn't get better. Yeah. So we'll we'll watch this and okay. then immediately transfer into the third impact has happened. This is the we'll we'll probably I probably won't show you it because it's like a lot of nothing, but I'll probably scroll through real quickly the previous episodes so you can see like the art. Of what's yeah. happening, sure. Right, like, yeah, the, yeah. like, did you ever see the music video for Aha's Take on Me? Yeah, or it's just pencil sketches. Yeah, yeah, of Th- course. That's like kind of some of the art oh, style. Of what's happening in this? Sweet. Where it's like you can tell that it's like budget. Like, just yeah. okay, we don't have to draw the whole thing, but they make right. it an artistic statement, right? So we're gonna look at the final part of the the last episode, and there's a little surprise there. We'll have to talk about because I don't think you'll get it. There's a little send up of other anime it's like a pastiche a little tongue-in-cheek joke and then the the ending of the series which depending on who you ask is either extremely stupid or extremely poignant i'm in the poignant uh 
uh, group. So, so, so how, I mean, how, how long of a series is this? 26 episodes. Oh, it's the entire series. What do you mean? Like, is are, it, that's just it. It's just one season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 26 oh. episodes and it's done. Wow. So Evangelion in its totality, not counting like games and stuff. Yeah. 26 episode series. Death and Rebirth, which was basically a recap episode yeah. and then right. 25 part two. So then, then there's the end of Evangelion, which is 25 and 26 part two. Yeah. The yeah, real yeah. world side. Right, right. And now there's the Evangelion rebuild films, which I think just ended with number four. I haven't seen four, so I don't know if it's the end, but uh, Evangelion rebuild one, two, three, and four. These are movies that are kind of a reimagining of it. It's the first Uh, two movies are largely the entire series. Uh And then two ends very differently than how the series ends, which leads into three and four. So interesting. So it's more, it's more of like they weren't, at least I get the impression that it, they weren't interested in doing more, but they they knew they had an opportunity to do more. I, I don't know. Sense. It's weird because like, really, I, I okay. think it's I think it's partly on. like you could describe it as this is the way he always intended it. I think it's more that this is on 20 or well not 20, but like 15, 10, 15, 20 years removed from the show and how he would make it if he did it now. OK, this is. Evangelion, the original, is Hideaki Anno in a crippling depression, understanding more about himself. Evangelion Rebuild is Hideaki Anno looking back on his life and re-envisioning old memories with the wisdom of age. That's my like that's that's my All art right. school interpretation of the rebuild. I like films. it. Yeah, it, that that was beautiful. I'll tell yeah. you, that brought a fucking tear to my eye. Yeah, uh-huh. brought a tear to mine too. How cringe <laughs> it was, but it brought a dribble to my wiener. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, this it's really hard to describe. Like, the I can tell you what's happening, but you have to see it and hear yeah. it. Right, you have to you have to soak in what the show is trying to do. And it's, it's still one of my favorite things ever. Yeah. That, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm confidently stoked. <laughs> like it's nice. Yeah. It, uh, I think, you know, you said it earlier, right? Like this was one of the things that you were like, this has got to be one of them. This is going to be one of the things that we're going to do. So I, you know, I don't know if there's really much left to say for me, honestly, like yeah. it just, it just sounds fucking rad. Like it, it speaks to all the things that, that I like about stuff, you know, like it speaks to my existential uncomfortability. Um, it's, it, 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 it speaks to a lot of the things that I like about a lot of different shit. It's just, um, you know, I think, um, I think I'm probably going to be asking myself, why it took me so fucking long to watch it after we're done. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's like a it's niche nerd shit, but this is really good niche nerd shit. I well, yeah, of course. Personally, I think what I'm most excited for, even more than you watching it, is hearing your takes on some of the stuff, right? Because yeah, sure. ultimately for me, I have been you could say poisoned or whatever, but I I never came into this clean. Right. Mm-hmm. I sure. never had purely my own opinions and expectations coming into Evangelion. And we've talked on and off the show about stuff where we've had like, 
not necessarily a different opinion, but a different interpretation, right? Yeah. And I'm yeah, sure. I'm really interested to hear your take because so much of this is so metaphorical too. Like it, it's very, I keep calling it avant-garde, but it's very intentionally vague, right? It's yeah. it's it's expression of emotion by metaphor, right? And yeah. it, this is that's intentional too because he's directly calling to Carl Jung and Sigmund Freud and stuff with a lot of his imagery. Like, yeah. there's a specific moment where he envisions himself being embraced by different women. And the different women represent different parts of his psyche that he's struggling to understand. Right. And it's like, how, how, if you're coming in, not like me where someone already spoiled the premise of the thing. Right. How do you look at this stuff? Right. 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 Yeah. I, um, you know, I think that, I think that that's one of the, the, the bigger things about this, right. That we've discussed previously in the last couple episodes as part of this, anim- this whole broader anime discussion is just that, you know, there are things that are not going to be immediately obvious to you that, you know, sort of exist in these uh, instances and in the, within this medium, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be an out and out anime film like Cowboy Bebop for me to understand why a motorcycle fight in a sewer in Yakuza hits the way that it does, right? Yeah. But I think that with this, right, I think that this is a little bit further into that territory of if you just plop somebody down in front of it with really, without really having like their own interest in saying like, I'm going to watch this. Mm-hmm. It probably seems like really fucking bizarre Japanese <laughs> cartoons, yeah. right? Really? Yeah. I so, agree. So yeah, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm ready for it, man. I, I, I'm, I'm stoked. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't if wait. You, for, go ahead. If you, well, if you, if you had to say, if you had to guess what, what I'm gonna come out of this, like, what would, what, what do you think? What do, you, what's your prediction for me? Obviously, you think I'm gonna like it, which is why yeah. you're shilling it. But like, like, do you think that this is gonna be like? What I, it, like it for me, for Anna? I don't. I don't know if I'm expecting this, but what I hope is in three weeks you're gonna send me an errant Discord message that says, "Look at this Ava figure that I saw on sale," <laughs> or something like that, right? Or an Ava poster, I, or a vinyl of some yeah. sort, dude. I, I I I truly hope and I do believe that this is gonna hook you to the point where you're gonna say, "Hook me up with this shit." I got to see what happened. I got to see the whole thing. So, yeah, yeah. I'm excited, man. That's why that's why I left the nugget of the end of Evangelion, too. Like, you got to you got to have something out there that's like the the forbidden fruit, the tantalizing. Right. Apple. Yeah. Well, well, exactly. I mean, you do. After all. Look like a a temptress snake. Yeah. Lilith. You have you might you you might you might say I'm Lilith. Yeah, yeah, you could be you could be considered the anime Lilith. Yeah. Right. In you're the Garden of eat. Eden, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. And you're <laughs> yeah, right. Adam. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, we're getting more and more esoteric and 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 metaphorical uh-huh. with our with, with with our angels and our and our angel wars and our battling yeah. battling mm-hmm. angels. Be not afraid, right? Yeah, be not afraid. If there was a tagline <laughs> for this show, it would definitely be be afraid (laughs) (laughs) sick well i can't fucking wait well 
as always, we're going to put the uh, the um, episodes. episodes that we're watching. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. In the show notes, um, after I have my big brain brain speed bump. Um, we're going to put all the episodes we're watching in the show notes for everybody that wants to follow along. Um, if you already know the deal about Evangelion, then you're probably just able to skip on over to part two, which we will be seeing you over there after you finish your own watch party. Um, as always, you can find us at the many folds on all of our socials and find all the rest of the episodes of King of the Shield on Spotify, Apple, uh, Tune in, Amazon, Google, all sorts of cool shit, as well as the manyfolds.com, our very own website. Isn't that right? That's absolutely right. Well, let's go watch some fucking Evangelion. Let's do that. Uh, final message if you can avoid it, do not watch the Netflix sub. Don't do, do it. Don't. don't do it. Don't. See ya. King of the Shield.